Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. We often think about our physical life. In other words, how we take care of our bodies, we we watch what we eat, we try to get some exercise in, we go to the doctor when we don't feel well, and we take medications when we're sick. We often think about our spiritual life. In other words, how we take care of and nurture our spirit. Hopefully you make a priority of honoring God with the first of your week through attending church. You feed your spirit by reading God's word and through prayer, you surround yourself with other people who are also on this spiritual journey of becoming more like Christ. But did you ever think about your thought life? It sounds kind of funny. Did you ever think about what you think about? However, what we think is so connected to our heart, which ultimately determines our actions. The language that Paul uses in today's passage is the word dwell. So what do you dwell on? What occupies space in your mind throughout the day? What marinates in your brain? Because here's the thing. Healthy thoughts lead to healthy actions and healthy habits. Unhealthy thoughts lead to unhealthy actions and unhealthy habits. Another way you can say this is as your thoughts go, so goes your life. And so much of our thoughts are influenced by what we feed our mind. What we feed our mind is what we tend to dwell on. So here's what we want to do today. We want to get our minds right. And here's what Paul is going to challenge us to do. He's going to tell us to dwell on God things. Let's read today's passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. We dwell on many things. In other words, the thoughts that are on repeat in our minds are many different thoughts. But how many of those things that we dwell on are God things? By the way, what does dwell on mean? Paul means the things that occupy the space in our thoughts. The New Living Translation says to fix your thoughts on. And we dwell on a lot of things. A lot of things occupy the space in our brain. For example, we dwell on the past hurts and mistakes. Those things that we messed up on in the past that we hold on to, that we refuse to let go of, that stuff takes up free realty in our thoughts. We dwell on circumstances, situations, and trials. That's easy, right? The the things that we worry about, the hardships that we face, the late payments, the moments of grief and mourning, the breakups and heartbreaks, the stress and anxiety, that stuff takes free realty in our minds. And oftentimes we dwell on it so much that it physically keeps us up at night and doesn't allow us to function or concentrate. We dwell on recreation, having fun, planning parties, socializing, family get-togethers, vacations with friends, brunch dates, playing pool with the fellas, getting the nails painted, and a day at the spa with the ladies. We, We love recreation and relaxation, so that stuff takes up free realty in our thoughts. But here's the question. Do we dwell on God things? Do we dwell on things that honor God? Do we have sanctified thoughts? Do we think and meditate on God's word and God's will and God's ways? Why do we allow all these other things to live rent-free in our brain, but not God-honoring thoughts which give us life? And this is why the psalmist wrote this. And by the way, we have a lot of supporting passages today. 
So I need to warn you, make, be sure to get ready to read along with me, okay? And here's what the psalmist writes. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. So what are some of the, of the God things that we should dwell on? In this passage, Paul lists eight things, but we're only going to go through four of them for the sake of time, okay? So first, let's look at dwelling on truth. There's a lot of lies in the world. We're constantly communicating lies on a daily and almost hour-by-hour hour basis. For example, here are a few. Let me know if you've heard some of these. There are multiple roads that lead to heaven. Oh, all religions are basically the same thing. Your truth is true for you. Or, or how about this one? There is no such thing as truth. And it's no wonder that the world is as screwed up as it is when people go around claiming that truth is subjective. That each person can have their own version of truth. Can 2 plus 2 equals 4 be my truth, but your truth is that it equals 100? Can the fact that gravity allows an apple to fall from a tree be my truth, but not yours? By the way, even if you say that your subjective truth is that gravity doesn't exist, you still don't go floating into space, and gravity still keeps you grounded. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, the life. Christianity is both the most inclusive and exclusive religion in the world. Anyone can experience salvation. Anyone can experience forgiveness. Anyone can experience grace. The means by which you can is through Jesus. Can I get it through Buddha? No, I'm sorry, you can't. Can I get it through Allah? No, I'm sorry, you can't. Can I get it through being a good person and helping little old ladies across the street? Listen, please continue helping the elderly, but that will not grant you salvation. It is by the power, the provision, and the outpouring of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what we must do is pray the prayer of the psalmist. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray this out loud with me. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. We need to ask the Lord to guide us in His truth, because His truth is the truth. We are bombarded with lies every single day. Sometimes those lies are very convincing. Or when a large portion of people believe and follow that lie, we feel pressure to succumb to it as well. And so we need the God of truth to guard us in His truth. Do you dwell on His truth? Secondly, Paul says to dwell on what is honorable. And people live in a way that is very dishonorable, which is no wonder because when we feed into the lie that truth is subjective, that we are the gods of our own selves, the natural outcome is to honor whom we choose and curse whom we choose. So, children dishonor their parents. They outright lie to their parents in their faces and connive behind their backs. And by the way, it's one of the big ten, right? To honor your father and mother. We dishonor people in authority, like our teachers and bosses. We talk behind their backs, we make fun of them, we give snarky remarks, and we create chaos in the classroom and on the job site. Why? Because we're dishonorable. We dishonor people in authority, such as police officers, and police officers dishonor the people they're called to serve and protect. It's a vicious cycle of dishonoring one another. And we dishonor God when we know His way and choose to do things our own way. We make ourselves God and put ourselves in His place to do what we want because we think we know better than God. How arrogant of us to do so. But as followers of Jesus, we are not to dwell on what is dishonorable, but on what is honorable. And that's why elsewhere Paul writes this, Let love be without hypocrisy. 
Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. In the world, people want to take the lead in receiving honor, but people don't like to give honor. People love to be on the receiving end, but giving it is a challenge for many. You know, I learned this lesson from Pastor Craig Rochelle in regards to honor. I think you might find this helpful as well. He says this, respect is earned, but honor is given. We give honor. And as followers of Jesus, we dwell on what is honorable. We fix our thoughts on what is honorable. We give honor. The Bible says we ought to outdo one another in giving honor. So do you dwell on what is honorable? Paul says to dwell on what is pure. And purity is a joke in our world today. We have been desensitized in so many ways to where we are essentially entertained by perversity and impurity. The idea of remaining pure is a joke to the rest of the world. For example, we mock and completely disrespect God's design for marriage. And that's celebrated and that's the norm. That one would save their body, the body that God gave them, and keep themselves pure until marriage is the butt of people's jokes. You hear silly arguments like, how can you marry someone who you've never been with sexually? You would never buy a car without test driving it, would you? Well, people are not cars to be test drived. Are, are you kidding me? Our, our speech is impure. The words we say, the phrases we use, how we use our tongue to insult, belittle, put down, gossip about, and degrade others. Our thoughts are impure. This is the whole thing that Paul is talking about here. And advertisers know this and cater to our impure thoughts, which is why commercials and ads are provocative and explicit. Most commercials, ads, and billboards are borderline pornographic in nature. And we are so desensitized to that. We walk right by it every single day. We lust after the images and don't see anything wrong with it because we've been groomed to believe that it's okay. And this is why the scriptures say this. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. This is exactly what we see in the minds of the people of the world. Their minds and their consciences have been defiled. But Paul says to dwell on what is pure. That means that what is impure, what defiles your body, needs to stop. Why? Because the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What causes impure thoughts needs to be turned off. The impure patterns of speech need to be traded for words of blessing. We dwell on what is pure. Is that what your mind dwells on? To wrap up this section, Paul says that we dwell on moral excellence. And here's the thing. God is the moral law giver. In fact, this is an evidence of God's existence. That is that He has written the moral law upon our heart. We do not have morality without our moral law giver. We do not have morality without a standard of morality. And that standard of morality is given to us by God. But we live in a world that says, just like the question of truth, that morality is subjective, that morality is determined by periods in time and societies of people. But if that were true, then there would be nothing wrong with Hitler and the Nazis murdering six million Jews during the Holocaust because it was just that period of time and it was just that particular society. And that particular society thought it was okay and their morality permitted it. No, we know that genocide is wrong because murder is wrong. And this truth transcends periods of time and social constructs because God has written the moral law on our hearts. 
And we live in an immoral society. The day and age that we live in is so immoral that we throw parades and we celebrate and flaunt our immorality. I'll prove it to you with one particular hot-button issue. Let's talk about abortion. We live in a world that says abortion is a woman's choice. And there's been 63 million abortions in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade in 1973. 63 million abortions. We ruthlessly and barbarically murder babies from the womb and we throw parades for it. By the way, have you ever seen how an abortion is performed? Most people haven't seen it and make an argument for abortion from a place of absolute ignorance. Look it up for yourself. God sets the standard of morality, not us, not you. You can say that it is okay to murder a person as long as they're in the mother's womb, but God would say differently. And the world can protest, throw parades, make posters, and say it's okay to murder babies, but God sets the standard. And what does God's word say? Look at what the psalmist wrote. For it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Paul says we ought to dwell on moral excellence, which means since we fear the Lord, we ought to take a stance for those who cannot defend themselves. We cannot passively sit by and adopt the immoral thinking of the world. We submit to God who is the moral lawgiver and our standard of morality. Do you dwell on moral excellence? Now, why are we so often confused and dwell on the opposite of the things Paul calls us to hear? A lot of times it's because we've had bad examples to follow. And what is going to encourage us here today is this. Number two, follow godly examples. Paul says it this way. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. So much of what we wrongly think is because we have learned from the wrong examples. Your cute little professor at your college may have had a lot of degrees, but he didn't have God and didn't live according to God's word. To the students in school right now, the chances are that your teachers are teaching you wrongly and are not good examples for you to follow. Chances are that if your friends are not God-fearing, Bible-believing followers of Christ, then they are not good models for you to follow. So here's what Paul says, and I don't read this with an ounce of arrogance at all. If anything, I read this with all the care concerning love from God in the world. He says, guys, follow my lead. I'm following Jesus. I'm leading into God's truth. I'm dwelling on these things. It's not easy, but I'm pressing in and I encourage you to follow my lead. Paul says, which by the way is a massive responsibility to examine his life, to examine his speech, to look at his instruction, his example and, allow, and follow his lead. And he says, as I follow Christ, follow me. Who are the examples that you are following? Who are you modeling your life after? Who's leading, who's leading are you following? Let me encourage you to follow the example of people who are passionately pursuing Christ, who are living according to the word of God and standing firm in the ever-shifting soil of the world, who seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Follow those examples and then go be those examples. Fight for truth. Outdo one another in showing honor. Pursue a life of purity. Lead out with moral excellence and dwell on these things. Meditate on God's word on these things. And the promise we will have is the peace of God. And what is the peace of God? The peace of God is ultimately found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
who did not leave us dead in our sins, but came to deliver us from them. And because of his work on the cross, because of his conquering of the grave, we can have the forgiveness of sin, a new life, and peace of God. What are you dwelling on? What's in your mind and on your heart? The psalmist prayed, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. Let that be your prayer today. God, would you help us to dwell on God things? There's so much in the world that is competing for our attention. Help us to meditate on your precepts and to think about your ways, to think about your word. Help us to dwell upon truth, upon what is honorable, on what is pure, on moral excellence, God. In a world that is impure, in a world that is seeking to go the exact opposite direction of your will and way and word. Help us to meditate on these things. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us to godly examples and empower us, God, to be godly examples to others. And thank you for the work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross, which gives us the peace of God. For those that have been offended by these words today, I pray, God, that offense would turn to conviction, that conviction would turn to repentance, that repentance would lead them to you, and that you would grant them forgiveness and mercy and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?